Hi, you're listening to Shabbat Replay on Contact High, a podcast from Mishkan, Chicago. We're releasing our sermons so that no matter where you were Friday, you can enjoy a piece of Shabbat today. So take a deep breath, relax, and enjoy some words from Rabbi Lizzie. So tomorrow night we will be gathering around tables to celebrate our freedom and to tell our people's story, our, our, our people's specific story. Um, though there, there are many stories that may be similar. This is our story of going from darkness to light and from slavery to freedom. And as my rabbi, Sharon Browse, uh, leading the White House Seder last night said, this story is both timely and timeless. And it couldn't be more timely uh, and and it certainly is always timeless. Um, and thinking specifically about the painful realities that have been the Jewish story over the last number of centuries, millennia, it's actually pretty extraordinary that we are still here to tell the story. And I think one of the reasons why is because we value storytelling so much. And not just storytelling in general, but telling this story. We've become experts at telling this story. So the Haggadah, the little book that we read with Seder or just hold on our laps while we talk during Seder, it literally means the telling, Haggadah, from the instruction, you will tell your child, you will tell your child the story of how God led our ancestors out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and with signs and wonders. And we don't just tell the story of the signs and the wonders, though I do want to explore the plagues, which are the signs and the wonders a little bit later. Um, We literally make the Passover table a wonder, something to wonder at, something to ask questions about so that we can tell the story. Maimonides actually describes like that parents should do wacky things like rearrange the furniture or put trinkets or nuts or berries or other weird things on the table so that children will say, why, why did you do that? Why are we doing that? So the Seder table becomes a classroom and every ritual and word and taste is a kind of provocation you know, to, to study, an educational tool. Why the matzah? Why the bitter herb? Why the egg? Why the bone? Why the dipping? Why the four cups? And I think about all of the things that make Seder different from any other dinner party. And so you have to ask, why is this night so different? How is this night different? Look at all of the wacky little strange ways in which this night is different. Why? And then somebody else at the table goes, my God, I'm so glad you asked. Avadim hainu, hainu. We were slaves. We were slaves. Our people. My father was a wandering Aramean and went down to Egypt as an immigrant with meager numbers and then became a great and populous people and then became enslaved. And if God hadn't taken us out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, you wouldn't be here to ask this question because we'd all still be there back in Egypt. But we're here. And so we tell the story. And so we don't just tell the story, we also tell stories about how we tell stories. So you'll notice if you're doing a traditional Seder with all the verbiage, which I will just tell you right up front, if you're coming to ours tomorrow night, 
we are not. A lot of the things I'm about to mention you won't even see because we're focusing more on music. However, if you open up the Haggadah, you'll notice we tell the stories of how and who the different children are who ask. The wise child, the rebellious child, the simple child, the child who doesn't know how to ask. We have stories of rabbis sitting around telling the story of the Exodus until the sun rises. The Talmud talks, therefore, about, well, what happens if somebody falls asleep at the table? You know, then what? How do they fulfill the mitzvah of Passover, all of the different mitzvot of Passover if they fall asleep at the table, which, by the way, I am guilty of doing because I've been at seders where rabbis sit around and talk about the Exodus story until the sun rises. How can you not fall asleep? We tell the story of Rabbi Eliezer ben Azariah musing that he's told this story every year of his life, but never really understood it until just this year. And so we keep telling this story because we keep discovering new dimensions of the story that resonate year after year after year. The Talmud says, even if you're alone, as so many of us are and will be again this year, hopefully for the last time, you still ask the four questions. You still flex those muscles of curiosity and then storytelling. And so maybe you do that in a Zoom room. Maybe you do that out loud, all by yourself or with a journal at your own table or on the phone. What does telling this story, this story of the Exodus mean to you this year? Um, it is super cute that we assign the youngest kids at the table the responsibility to sing the four questions. It is also really important that we not let the rituals of the Seder become a substitute for the actual purpose of the Seder, which is to provoke genuine questions and then to tell genuine stories of our leaving Egypt. Every person needs to feel like they personally left Egypt. And so if you don't get past the four questions because you actually stop to answer them with your own stories and with your family's stories of anti-Semitism, of racism, of labor abuse, of suffering or shame or being closeted or of addiction. And also, and this is important, also tell your stories of transformation and confronting power and organizing and your healing and your rescue and your movement. You tell the story of your journey into wholeness, toward wholeness. If that is all you talk about or write about at Seder, Dayenu, it's enough. It's enough. Now, let's say you do get past the four questions. There are so many provocations, if you want to call them that, sort of a ped pedagogic tools to help us learn and ask questions throughout the Seder. So I want to explore a particular provocation with you tonight. Um, I'm not sure why this year, but I really got locked onto the plagues. And so the ritual, the provocation, is that we spill a little bit of wine out of our glass for each one of the plagues the Egyptians suffered in the process of our liberation. And the reason for this 
is that we don't want to practice callous indifference to suffering. Anybody's suffering, including our oppressors, even as we celebrate our own freedom. We don't want to become like the oppressors who didn't care about our feelings. So we spill a drop of wine out for each plague they suffered. And it's at this point in the Seder that many modern Jews will say, and we also spill out our wine in recognition of the modern plagues. And then we'll begin to list things like racism, white supremacy, capitalism, misogyny, modern slavery. Give me a, like a plus one in the chat if you've ever been at a Seder where you've done that. You've listed modern plagues and talked about them. I certainly have. And these moments are often poignant because we're keying into real lived experiences of people not in history, but right now, and have the opportunity to consider, to actually consider the weight of what I might do differently tomorrow because of having raised up and discussed these real present current issues tonight. So I wanna thank my brother-in-law, Rabbi Aryeh Bernstein, for complicating this for me this year, as he is so good at doing. I think we often tell a sanitized, child-friendly version of this story at our Seder tables. We even have like cute little masks for all the different plagues to make them fun and funny. PJ Library sent us a bunch of cute masks with like the boils and lice and some sunglasses for darkness and frogs and they're super cute. Uh, but let me just say, if you're studying with adults this year, if you're dining with adults this year, I hope that, that what I'm going to share with you will deepen and complicate your reflection as well as you go into Seder. Um, there's nothing wrong with the cute masks for kids, but don't leave it at that. So my brother writes earlier this week, public service announcement to my fellow progressive Jews in the Passover story, we are on the side of the plagues. We are on the side of the plagues. When we think of ourselves as the Israelites, when we identify ourselves with the Israelites, we are on the side of the plagues. We identify with the people being liberated by the plagues that hurt the oppressors. And so we spill a drop of wine out to have empathy for the Egyptians. But tomorrow night, many of us who sit at Seder tables will understand that in various ways and to different degrees, we benefit from manifestations of Pharaoh in modern society. We benefit from Pharaoh. To put a finer point on it, white Jews, even those of us whose parents or grandparents suffered anti-Semitic oppression, we live a kind of life here in America with ease and with access that they might have felt unthinkable and that very often doesn't even cross our mind as extraordinary. We just walked into it. We didn't ask for it, but, but here we are. And, and more broadly, any one of us who has bought any item of technology, clothes, shoes, we are implicated in a system of exploitation environmental degradation, quite possibly modern slavery. 
So if we are reading ourselves into the story, we are not only the Israelites, but we are also the Egyptians, most of whom didn't design the policies they benefited from or the systems they benefited from. They inherited them. It's just the world they walked into. But they also didn't do very much to change it. So many of us want the world to change and want to change the world. We want to live in a more just and equitable world and nobody wants that change to come from discomfort or suffering. But in this story, we are on the side of the plagues. Would we prefer for change in our world to come from diplomacy, democracy, discourse? Of course, of course we would. But in our story, Moses actually tried all of that and it didn't work. The plagues were necessary in order for the world to change. And if not to teach Pharaoh to awaken him, then to break down his hardened heart with the goal being justice and freedom for oppressed people. And that should scare us a little bit because according to our story, Sometimes people need to incur personal suffering and loss in order to understand the seriousness of this situation. And we realize that includes us. I think this really got to me this year because if we are no longer talking about biblical plagues from which we have a kind of safe and mythic distance, but rather we're talking about what would it take to change so many things where discourse has been tried? What would it take to overturn the voter suppression laws that just passed in Georgia and are being attempted in states all around the country? What would it take? What would it take to defund policing as we know it and improve public safety? What would it take to, to heal the harm done to so many families at our border? What would it take? What would it take for women to be guaranteed the right to our bodies? What would it take for people of all races and gender expressions and sexualities and class backgrounds to have an equal shot at health and housing and education and jobs and opportunities? We think of you know, all, of these, all of these challenges as systemic plagues. But if there's an unjust status quo, it's because there are people who design the policies and enforce them, and it's those people who needs their minds changed in order to change the system. And the story tells us sometimes those changes only come for an, from an encounter with profound pain and loss. That's what it takes for Pharaoh to finally let the people go. So tomorrow night, we're going to sit down and we will be marking a full year of holidays celebrated online, Jewish holidays celebrated online. Baby namings and brises and birthdays and B'nai Mitzvah and weddings and funerals all online. This will be our second Passover Seder online. And while 
misogyny and racism are manifestations of Pharaoh, this pandemic is an actual plague. It is an environmental disaster that has caused all of us to lose and to suffer in varying degrees. In the language of the Torah, from the maidservant all the way up to the prime minister, all of us to lose, whether years of our life, uh, careers, opportunities, loved ones, moments of intimacy and connection. I wouldn't blame you if tomorrow night you just want the Seder to be an opportunity to see the people you love online or if everybody's vaccinated in person, to reconnect, to go through the rituals and to sing Dayenu. I wouldn't blame you. And I'm also here to remind you that the words, the stories, the songs, the rituals are pedagogic provocations designed to get us to ask questions so that we learn. And we're all at different stages of learning and learning can be uncomfortable. That's sort of the nature of it. It pushes us, it stretches us. And so we drink and we eat and we create brave space around dinner to ask questions and to be open to the answers and the conversations that those questions bring up. And we try to teach our kids not to be afraid to ask hard questions or to hear the answers that emerge from them. And if that's what we ask of our children, then let's show them how it's done. Let's show them how it's done. You've been listening to Shabbat Replay on Contact High, a podcast from Mishkan Chicago. If you enjoyed this sermon and want to join us live, tune in to Shabbat services through Facebook most Fridays of the month and through Zoom two Saturday mornings a month. Our schedule of services and programs can be found at mishkanchicago.org events, where there's also a link to donate and support our work. And you can visit us on Facebook or Instagram at Mishkan Chicago. Until then, please feel free to subscribe and leave us a review. As always, we want to hear from you. This episode has been brought to you by me, Zach Weinberg, our editor and producer, Hannah Rehack, our rabbinical team, Rabbis Lizzie Heideman and Dina Cowens, and our director of communications, Ashley Donahue. On behalf of Teen Mishkan... Thanks for tuning in.